the number two complaint that they get is around packaging. Because of that, they are now, you know, looking at their packaging and what they can do. So consumers do make a difference. So the more that we write in and complain and ask for better, the companies will start listening and they do make change based on that. Welcome to SheEO.World, a podcast about redesigning the world. I'm your host, Vicki Saunders. In each episode, you'll hear from SheEO Venture founders, women who are working on the world's to-do list. These innovative business leaders are solving some of the major challenges of our times. Sit back and prepare to be inspired. Hi, I'm Bex Bikaski, and I'm one of the co-founders of The Better Packaging Co., And I'm Kate Beezer, the other co-founder of the Better Packaging Company. We are on a mission to reduce the world's reliance on single-use plastic packaging and by providing much more sustainable alternatives and making them affordable and accessible to businesses of all sizes. Tell us more about what that means. Where are you starting? We are starting with e-commerce packaging. That's the first cab off the rank. Bex and I have both personally seen through work that we've done prior, the huge growth in e-commerce. It is growing by 50% year on year. Along with that growth goes a huge amount of packaging. If you imagine every online purchase is then sent out from some base warehouse in a at least a heavy-duty single-use courier satchel. Often it will also have bubble wrap or be in a poly bag as well. So that's that's our initial focus. And, and that is just like a ton of garbage, right? I mean, it, it is a huge amount of, of waste. Only 9% of plastics actually get recycled. And that, that 9%, most of that is the rigid plastic. It's the stuff that there is actually a secondary market for. It's the number one and two HDPE plastics. So the soft plastics that is generally what's used to package this stuff is very rarely recycled at all. What we have done is is made an alternative that is home compostable, certified home compostable. So instead of having to find a way to recycle it, and there's very few of those around, people can instead dispose of it themselves in their own backyard composting. So starting with e-commerce packaging, which is a massive, massive, massive waste challenge on the planet. And how did you come up with this idea? Where, Where did the whole thing start? Both Kate and I were working in the e-commerce industry. I was one of the co-founders of a tech startup company that facilitated the integration of millions of e-commerce orders every month. And when we were working there, we just saw firsthand how quickly e-commerce was growing. I believe it's growing 50% every two years. And Kate's mentioned the number that gets sent in a courier satchel. So we were looking at sustainable packaging and I just couldn't stomach the thought of being responsible for any more single-use plastic packaging out there. So I thought, right, I'm going to investigate a sustainable option, thinking this would be a really quick and easy thing to do, but it wasn't. There just wasn't anything on the market at that point of time that I could hand on my heart say was better than the alternative. So we we did a you know about 18 months of research design and testing, many iterations of the product, and then we launched about July of last year. And what are the hard parts of like when you say 18 months of researching and design and like I mean first of all I can't believe this doesn't exist in the world already courier <laughs> packaging globally. So what's the hard stuff underneath it? Like how did you figure this out? 
there was a lot of greenwashing in the industry as well. So that was sort of one of the, the hardest parts was to, you know, sort of cut through all of the different terminologies and, you know, what people were defining as sustainable. So there was quite a lot of work needed to be done there. That was sort of the first phase. And then it was actually just finding materials. So we don't just look at the end-of-life options, which is what everyone's really focused on, but it's all very well and good that something may be well disposed of at the end of life, but if it's causing a lot of issues earlier on in the supply chain, then it sort of negatively balances that out. So we had to look at all of the different stages, you know, the manufacturing, the sourcing. So there were a lot of false starts around that as well. Well, I guess there was also just how do you make a career? So you once would found a material that was home compostable. How do you actually make a courier satchel? And even small things like, will a courier label stick to it? <laughs> it actually took a mm. long time to resolve. And are the seams tough enough to withstand having a shoebox sort of shoved in? All of those kind of issues we had to work through as well. First of all, it's too bad people can't see this, but it's absolutely beautiful. Like people Instagram your courier packaging. <laughs> and if people are wondering what that word is, is courier satchel. That's what they say down under. Um, <laughs> tell us about the material. It's almost silky. It feels amazing. And then we'll talk about your branding, which is genius uh, afterwards. Okay. Well, the, the material itself, that, that is how it naturally comes. It really does just have this beautiful matte kind of silky feel to it. And they are black for a very practical reason. It's the most opaque color. So we are bringing out a range that isn't black, but once you move away from black, they become slightly see-through. So yeah, it's, it's for sort of very practical reasons that they look and feel how they do. But as it turns out, we, we think it's, it's pretty cool. And what is the material, like what is it made out of? So they're made out of a combination of cornstarch then a, a derivative of corn called PLA, and then another a resin, a home compostable resin that is called PBAT. There's a lot more information on those on our website if anyone's interested in getting into the nitty gritty, but that's essentially it, yeah. Okay, cool. Can you tell us a little bit about the branding that's on the packaging itself, which I think is super cool? Bex and I, we, we both love design and a lot to date, I guess, a lot of sustainable green products you know, have tended to be a little bit daggy. So we wanted something that looked beautiful and was a stylish alternative to your traditional plastic courier satchel, whatever you call it over there. <laughs> um, and, you know, it, here they're the colours of the local postal network, which is, you know, red and white and pretty horrible. Uh, so there, there was that. And we also wanted them to be something that people were proud to send their their parcels in rather than a compromise which is I think how a lot of e-commerce businesses feel at the moment they take a lot of care in their packaging and then they have to shove it in this horrible ugly satchel to send it out and we wanted to turn that over and make it a really neat final step in the packaging process but in terms of, of what's written on the bags information and providing information and correct information is really important to us there was a lot of work that we did, Bex and I, and coming up with a way to present that information in a way that was really accessible and and kind of fun. So on the back in quite large letters, the bags say, I'm a real dirt bag, which is you know, a play, obviously, on the fact that they're home compostable. 
that are the real deal. There are imitators out there. And it's been, that's, I think, what's caught on the most. You know, people you know, have a little bit of a chuckle over it. it. It also very quickly tells the end recipient, so the person who's received this parcel, that this is something different and they have to treat it differently and that there's an opportunity to dispose of it differently. So hopefully it catches their eye quickly and tells them the story that it's home compostable and that they could be disposing of it in a home compost. Hopefully they have one. If they don't, we would like to think that they would think about getting one, which is part of our mission as well. Obviously, there's just a massive impact you can have on this. First of all, we can tell by accents, not North American. <laughs> you are based in Zealand, yay, home of everything amazing on the planet. <laughs> so being based in New Zealand, talk to us a little bit about like getting this business started and uh, getting connected around the world. How do you get the word out about what you're doing and how have people found you so far? Our growth has been you know, very viral and very organic. We've been incredibly uh, fortunate, but social media has worked really well for us. Um, as you mentioned before, a lot of our bags, you know, people receive our bags and because they tell such a unique story and they're a little bit funny, they take photos of them and post them on Instagram. So we've sort of joke about the fact that we've become the first Insta-worthy courier satchel. <laughs> it really um, is a crazy thing, right? Who's ever taken a photo of a courier bag before? <laughs> You know, we're selling, uh, you know, we sold half a million bags in July. So we know that we're reaching thousands, you know, tens of thousands of people every day receiving our packaging. And every bag tells them what we are, who we are, what we do and why we're doing it. The bags themselves act as little flyers. So we've been able to reach a really large audience really quickly that way. We've actually been, you know, we've been approached from all around the world. We've sold into 42 countries. And how long have you been around? We launched in March last year, but we sold our first bags in July. Our first order sold out within two weeks. And then the second order was also within two weeks. And then it's just, it's gone from there. So in Uh, one year, you've gone to 40, you're now into 42 countries. That's incredible. Yeah, we've got warehousing in China, LA, New Zealand, Australia, and we've just launched in the UK two weeks ago. So we're really excited about that because we've had a lot of interest in UK and Europe. So it's really nice now to be able to service those customers. That's really, really exciting. How did the two of you meet to collaborate on this? I mean, were you sitting around brainstorming as friends or how did that happen? As Bex mentioned, we had worked together prior to this on a tech startup that was involved in e-commerce. Bex was one of the the co-founders of that and she'd brought me in sort of for some freelance marketing communications promotions type work. We just found that we worked really, really well together. And prior to that, we were, we were friends. We lived in a similar area had got to know each other while doing that. Bex had always threatened that when she went off and did her own thing next, she was going to take me with her. And I've, I've had my own business before and I always said, no way. <laughs> I'm <not laughs> too hard. It. Too hard. Too intense. Too full on. Both of us have got families. But when she came up with this idea of making a more sustainable way to package goods for posting, I just thought it was genius and could see the potential for a really really great story and to make a lot of impact, which is really important to both of us. So here we are. (laughs) I couldn't say no. Do you uh, work in the same city? Yeah, we we usually do. 
So Kate lives on a gorgeous little island called Waiheke Island, um, which is about 30 minutes from downtown Auckland. So yeah, we do. We work in the same city um, and we work together. And yeah, we, we love working together. I couldn't actually imagine, you know, not having done it, not having done it with Kate. As she mentioned, you know, when we work together, it seems that the sum of our two parts is always greater than what we would be doing if we were doing it individually. Oh, that's great. And how do you divide up your work? What's your mastery, each of you? <laughs> I do all the fluffy stuff and Beck does everything else. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know very clear to us what we do isn't it like it's I sort of I'm kind of do all the logistics supplier management um, we kind of do the product development together and Kate does a lot of the brand and the advertising and the marketing oh that's good so there's a pretty clear delineation then there is <laughs> and then there's and then there's areas that are obviously strategic that we both work on together and that's where the, the magic happens we both come at things from quite different angles often and it's the combination of those. We sort of seem to drive each other higher. Oh, that's really nice to be, to, well, to be synergistic, right? And to adding to each other is amazing. So how did yeah. you get started? Did you have outside funders? Did you bootstrap? Uh, how did you get it off the ground? We have bootstrapped to date and we've also obviously had the CEO funding, which Kate and I were just talking about that earlier um, it came at such perfect timing for us and it's enabled us to not have to look for outside funding yet. It's sort of given us another six to nine months, which has been amazing. Well, that's good. I'm glad to hear that. Where is this going for you? What do you want this to be? What's your, what is success for you? Success, we measure success in terms of the impact that, that we're having, both in terms of spreading a message around waste management, waste minimization the amount of food waste that goes into landfills that shouldn't be going into landfills, as well as obviously literally the number of tons of plastic that we're keeping out of landfill and, and out of the oceans and the environment. Whether we like it or not, however well we try to manage plastic, 30% of it inevitably ends up in the environment. And that's just through a wind catching plastic out of a rubbish bin and what do you call them? Trash can. <laughs> and blowing it away, you know. So someone's tried to do the right thing, but it inevitably ends up in nature. And that's where it does the most harm. And I think we're only now realizing the harm it is doing as microplastics, you know, are now huge quantities of them now in our oceans and getting into our soils. Yeah, I think essentially that's how we measure our impact right back. Absolutely. I always joke in the office that I would give it all away for free if I could, because it is about making real change. I mean, this to me is uh, the gender element around this and just the, the next generation coming along, really looking at business differently. Like how do we use our leadership to create an impact at this extremely important time in our human existence where we have so many massive challenges and humanity is really trashing the planet and how can we actually use business for good? Uh, you are an example for everyone else on how to do things. And I wonder if you could talk to us a little bit about your business philosophy. How are you running your business? You've worked in other startups before, been in business before. What is unique about the way that you're approaching this business? Firstly, I just want to address what you said to begin with. I, it's something that I think about on a daily basis, how lucky we are as women to be living you know, in this time and to be using our skills 
and our passions to do something for the betterment. So it is something I think I probably say at UK on a weekly <laughs> basis. You know how grateful I am for that opportunity. So yeah, I think we do look at businesses differently. I know, so my background, I sort of worked for some of the really well-known companies like IBM, Vodafone and HP, very structured. And then I'd always wanted to run a business in a, in a very different way and very focused on what you're achieving and measuring success in a really different way, as well as empowering the team to do what they can do. Um, you know, using their skills and doing the best that they can when we get to run this business. And Kate and I are both very similar in our thoughts and outlooks on things. It's like a dream come true for me because we're getting to create the rules and do it the way we want to do it. And it's working. People are responding to it. We're seeing phenomenal growth in our business. We're also making change. I'd like to think we've got a really happy team that can all grow to the best of their abilities. So yeah, it's just really exciting to be able to shape it in the way that you want to. How have you created a happy team? Like, what do you do to make that happen? We're very upfront and open and honest about what's going on. We try to take the team on the journey with us. You know, we celebrate all of the successes together. Yeah, and we've given them freedom. You know, like anyone is allowed to work from home any day they want. We've got someone in the team with a young family, so school holidays, we're giving them flexibility to do that. Try and keep it a really open and honest place to work. I think it's also just a fairly flat structure. You know, we don't, Bex and I don't see ourselves as having all the answers. And in fact, so that I think the team feel empowered to come up with solutions themselves and not have to, to come to us. And that their ideas are as valid as ours if we're confronting any kind of issues or trying to solve something. You know, it's interesting as I listen to you talk about these things, because I mean, <laughs> I, of course, know so many female founders. I've been a female founder forever and ever. And this concept <laughs> of just empower your team to do what they can do be upfront and open and honest, take them on the journey with you, give them freedom and flexibility in a flat mm. structure and let them know that we all have answers. Like, duh, mm. right? <laughs> but it literally is the opposite mm. of most organizations. It's fascinating to me that it seems so simple, but we've sort of, it feels like we've divorced, we've literally taken the relationship and the humanity piece out of business and presumed that people need some kind of character stick and that we're all like machines that need to, like human resources, you know, like it's crazy. Mm. And so how many people do you have on your team right now? We've got eight total okay. and five of those are full-time and three are part-time. Our first employee hasn't even celebrated their one-year anniversary yet. <laughs> <laughs> but we've grown really quickly. I can't believe how far we've come in a year, actually. We actually now have a full-time logistics person in the office because it has become such a pivotal part of our business because when you are shipping to 42 countries, you've got to have, you've got to have your ducks in a row. So, yeah, we have. There's, there's been a lot of trial and error along the way. You kind of make me laugh when you're like, we're in 42 countries, shipping to 42 countries, and we now have one full-time person. <laughs> I love women so much. Like we do so much with so little. It's just shocking. It's really cool. That is amazing. Yeah. We're, you know, really open to as much support as we can get. And MJ's actually been incredibly helpful with that as well, you know, on how you grow the team 
quickly and get the right people around you and, you know, empower them. And so for those of you who maybe have heard of MJ, if you've listened to previous podcasts, she's one of our CEO coaches and kind of a magician when it comes to helping people figure out teams and, and structure and the talent that exists and how to unlock it. Have you both had coaches before or is this a new thing for you? No, it's a new thing to me. It's fantastic. And what does it help you to do? I mean, I, this is one of the things I, I'm quite passionate about, people understanding what it means to actually have sort of a performance coach or a team coach and what it can do for you. We've got so much going on at any one time because we meet every two weeks. I almost get a bit embarrassed by how much has happened in that two weeks between when we've last met MJ because mm. um, it's such a moving target. But I think what MJ is really good at doing is honing in on those one or two things that you should be focusing on in the next month or the next three months or however short time that is and making sure that we focus on that and bringing it to the surface. And it helps just get rid of the rest of the noise around things. And I think when you are in that startup phase, that's a really important thing to be able to do. So we generally just go along with our, you know, our major concern at that point um, and we'll talk about it and just come up with a solution on how we're going to deal with that. And that's, that's invaluable because it sort of takes you out of the every day. So it's, it's been incredibly helpful for us. And I've sort of, there's a few things over the last couple of months that with her advice, we've just been able to turn around and move on to the next thing, which we probably wouldn't have done in such, you know, so quickly if we hadn't have had that coaching. And what is the thing, like, I don't know if you have a single thing you can think about, like what stresses you out most about being an entrepreneur? And then what do you like most about being an entrepreneur? There is so much potential. The, the mm. thing that stresses us out is not, is not being able to do everything at once. When it's just Bex and I both verge on workaholism, but you can also you can't expect your team to do that alongside you. I just feel constant pressure to try to get more done because I can see the impact that we could be having if we could only get that across the line or if we could only do X, Y, or Z. But, you know, there are only so many hours in a day and there are only so many people that we can afford to hire at this present time. As Kate mentioned, there is just so many opportunities. I I find it very hard to say no. Quite a lot of women do. So that is something that we struggle with and, you know, taking too much on board. It's also one of the exciting things about it as well, in a funny way, because the flip side of that is... There is just so much opportunity and because we're working with a compostable film, pretty much anywhere you see a plastic film is an opportunity for better packaging. Right. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Yeah. So nearly every single person you talk to is impacted by plastic film, either in their work or their life or some way. The flip side of it is also really exciting as well, but it's how we sort of focus ourselves to go forward and and don't spread ourselves too thin. I know lots of opportunistic entrepreneurs. I am one of them too. And I, same thing. Like I love, love, love what I'm doing. And I get so much positive feedback from it that I want to do more and more. How do you unplug? You both have families. You're, it's a crazy time of your life. What do you do to replenish and restore yourself? I've got quite disciplined this year because I have got young children and they're all at primary school. So they're all sort of age six to nine. So I made a real effort about six months ago. I think actually after the Shio weekend from this was a, this came out of MJ talking with MJ to dedicate some time when I got home with the kids, you know, just to switch off and 
make sure I was switched off from my computer away, my phone away, and, and just really spend that time with them being a bit silly. It might be driving them to sport or whatever it is. And that has really made a big impact to my stress levels, being able to be present in that moment. So that's kind of my, the main thing that I focus on on a weekly basis. Yeah, the stress comes from feeling torn and conflicted. And I think if you just make some conscious decisions around or compartmentalise, I guess, a bit better than perhaps we did last year. That definitely helps, yeah. Yeah, I think that this boundary setting is something that we all have to get good at, right? Which is, okay, so the most amazing thing I think about being an entrepreneur is that you define the rules. And when you forget that, that can be the challenge, right? It's like, wait a minute, you became an entrepreneur for the freedom, for flexibility, and obviously for the impact. So what makes a perfect life for you or at this point where you are? And I I find oftentimes people sort of forget that. They just go, oh, I have to work 24-7 because somewhere out there, there's a narrative that you always have to be on. Well, it's all made up. And I guess it's, it's challenging sometimes when you have such an incredible business like you do, which can have a huge impact and you see endless need. And so the balance that I can imagine is pretty challenging. So you've got busy family lives, a crazy business that's growing really fast. Do you hang out with other female founders for support and encouragement at all? Do you have time for that? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Can't. <laughs> yeah, each other. We have been to a couple of Shio events, which have been really sort of get-togethers, which were really neat. And we do go to a few industry-type events, you know, waste management or sustainable business. Obviously, through that, sometimes you gravitate to the to the other females in the room. But you know, sometimes it's just about meeting people who are on a similar journey to you as well, and, and feeding off that energy, which is really neat. And do you have a, a need right now that you'd like to ask our listeners to support you with? Is there anything specifically that you're looking for? The one that came sprung to my mind the quickest was just support for our new UK warehouse. You know, if anyone knows of any e-commerce businesses or retail businesses looking for sustainable packaging in Europe and UK, to share our details would be amazing. And just going by going to your website, Better Packaging Co. Yeah, betterpackaging.com. So we can send you ideas for potential customers or talk about what you're doing. We can take pictures of your amazing courier package when they see it, which I did today. And I'm about to post on social because we got your package. Oh, today. Yay. Thank you very much. I'm so <laughs> excited. Are there messages around how we can be more aware as consumers? I really believe that there's like a pressure point that as a consumer, we can put on the brands Uh, that we're buying from. So what can we do as individuals to support what you're doing and push uh, on the companies we're buying from? Well, I guess the most obvious thing is next time you receive a package and some packaging that you're not sure how you can dispose of or recycle, you can contact the company and either suggest a more sustainable alternative. They might be able to find some betterpackaging.com. Or what we're having some success with companies that we're working with is that they can even just offer a more eco option at checkout. So people can actually choose uh, what type of packaging they want their parcel to arrive in. And we're finding, so there's one beautiful jewellery company in New Zealand who people can choose either some fancy packaging for their jewellery or a home compostable alternative, which is ours. And they are finding 90% of people are choosing the eco option, which oh, is wow. a statistic we just find phenomenal. It, it doesn't cost any more. The cost is the same. 
And yeah, 90% of people are choosing not to have the bows and ribbons, but they'd rather something that they can put in their home compost at the end, that which is, is really amazing. And hopefully they will Instagram it as well. So it'll be more marketing <laughs> for you. <laughs> um, that's actually yeah. really fascinating. I mean, that's incredible market research, isn't it? And, mm. and then you can use that and say to other people, like literally people feel better about not having that. Like I just ordered a pair of Allbirds and the packaging was insane. Like, oh. Why is it in that? Why can't I get it? Hey, all birds out there in the world, check out better packaging. Well, actually, they have started using us for some of their smaller items in New Zealand. So oh, sure. that's good to know. Yeah, really exciting. But on that question about what we can do, I was at a End of Plastics Sustainable Business Network conference. It was the most amazing day. At the end of that, they summed it up and said, look, let's start supporting the businesses that are making these changes because by if we support the businesses that are operating more sustainably, using more sustainable packaging, then the other businesses are going to be forced to follow suit. So I think the single best thing we can all do is just to start to research where we're getting our products from and how they're made and support the right businesses. I mean, even before you make a purchase, you know, you can always contact support and say, hi, you know, I'm thinking about buying a pair of your shoes, but I just want to make sure it's not going to come and layers and layers of plastic. Yeah, I think that sends a pretty strong message. I'm just going to add some more information because I met with a really amazing guy yesterday who is CEO of a, one of the food bags in New Zealand, the meal kits. And he was just saying that the number two complaint that they get is around packaging. Because of that, they are now you know, looking at their packaging and what they can do. So consumers do make a difference. So the more that we write in and complain and ask for better, the companies will start listening and they do make change based on that. Great message to leave with. Well, thank you very much, the two of you, for the amazing work that you're doing. May your business spread all over the world with lightning speed, (laughs) with also time for you to breathe and see your kids after work. (laughs) And thank you very much for leading the way you do. You're a real example for other women-led ventures and all of us around the world. Thank you, Vicky, for all your support. And CEO, of course. Yeah, it's been an incredible journey so far. Thank you. Well, we hope to have many more podcasts with you over the years as you grow and grow. So thank you again. And yay, New Zealand. Kia ora. Kia ora. Thank you for listening to the CEO.world podcast. If this conversation resonated with you, please share it with a friend and subscribe on your favorite podcast player. If you'd like more information about SheEO, please visit us at SheEO.world. That's S-H-E-E-O dot world.